Good evening, saints. Welcome back to our Thursday evening Bible study. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. It's Matthew chapter 19. Starting in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. The saying we are referring to is when Jesus was talking to them about forgiveness and how the servants didn't have mercy over his fellow brother when mercy was shown to him in the previous chapter. In verse 2 it says, And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Great multitudes followed Jesus for various reasons. Some to be instructed. Some to be healed. Mm -hmm. Some through curiosity. And others to ensnare him. Verse 3 says, The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Not that it was not allowed, but they said for every cause. Wherever Jesus went, the Pharisees followed him, not out of a sincere intent or of heart, but with a design to entrap him. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Mm -hmm. Just for clarity first. If God made them male and female in the beginning, how do we justify changing what God has made today? And I mean changing what you were born as. Verse 5 says, And he said, For this cause or for this reason shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twine shall be one flesh. Referring to marriage here. The word cleave in the Greek word means to be glued unto, which signifies a union by marriage, which is between a man and wife. Again, not man and man or woman and woman. It is also men leaving mama's apron. Wherefore, they are no more twined but one flesh. What therefore God have joined together, let not man put asunder. Man and wife should have the same views and affections, interests. And for a man to break such a union by putting away his wife for every cause is wrong. They say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Just keeping things simple. Many things are done today because of the hardness of man's heart. Some ask God, if God has even put them together. The way some look at marriage today is not like it was uh in the beginning, or, or, or not as intended. 
And today, almost anyone can marry people. First, there is no true commitment. It can be performed by a judge, captain of a ship, down in Vegas, and people who are going online to be a minister. Marriage today is like dating someone. You can be seeing them today and seeing someone else tomorrow. Back then, Moses prevented divorce for just about any reason. Because of their cooking or how their breath smelled. You name it, it was used. But Jesus said in the beginning it was not so. And in verse 9 says, and I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whoso marry her which is put away, doth commit adultery. One of the reasons they wanted to put away their wives again was because they wanted to take whom they thought was a better one. This was in Moses' time. Today, it has not changed. Also, fornication and adultery is not the same. The reason why a divorce paper was required then was because when a woman was betrothed to a man, it meant they were promised or engaged to one another. If a woman was involved with someone during that time, she had to be given a right in the divorcement. The reason was she was unfaithful to the one she was engaged to. Unfaithfulness after marriage is adultery, not fornication. We know we are not under the law today, but there are more things to be put into consideration about marriage and divorce. But this is another matter and subject for another time. Look at verse 10. His disciples say unto him, If the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. This saying exposed the carnality and harsh sayings of the disciples. They believed from their customs and what they grew up with, they were saying, if a man be so strictly tied by marriage, it is best for him not to marry. But he said unto them, all men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. All men cannot receive. It is good not to be married. Some men have no desire to be married at all. And there is nothing wrong with that. It is not a sin to marry or a sin to stay single. Verse 12 says, for there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb. And there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men. And there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. But for clarity, this is how it is said by two different writers for this verse. For there are men who from birth were without sex. And there are some who were made so by men. And there are others who have made themselves so for the kingdom of heaven. He was able to take it, let him take it. Another writer says, some men, it is true, have from birth been disabled for marriage, while others have been disabled by their own fellow men. And again, others disable themselves for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let him accept who can. Bottom line, some are born this way for this cause. 
Some are made this way by other men, and others are made this way by choice. Abstaining from marriage and practicing celibacy is mostly practiced in the Catholic faith, but again, not kept. We know the Pope is now asking forgiveness for the abuse that those in authority have brought upon many of these people. Look at verse 13. Then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray, and, and the disciples rebuked them. There are just as many questions then, then as there is today in the churches. Parents looked upon Christ then as a great prophet. Kind of like we see today in the blessing of newborn, newborns in church. They brought their infants to him so he would receive them. And they would receive the benefit and blessings of his prayers. But Jesus says, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. You see, Christ loves little children because the love of the simplicity and innocence of them. He has sanctified their very age by passing through it himself. Look at verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Now this person, not knowing and understanding completely, but he believes the certainty of a future state. He professes his desire if an eternal happiness in that state. And he declares his readiness to do so and do some good to obtain that happiness. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? The man feeling good about himself tells Jesus all he asked, he has done. Anybody ever felt like you have done all you asked to do? And you asked or think to yourself, What more can I do? Is there anybody out there? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. For us, it may not be about money, because we have none. But all of us have valuable value of some kind. For some, it could be a hobby. Others, people have valued sports over sitting at Jesus' feet when it is time. This is just to name a few. Went into Super Bowl and see how many folks forsake the assembly. There's nothing wrong now with a hobby or sports. But we should not let it get in the way of our achieving perfection in Christ and worshiping him in spirit and truth. We must search our hearts and make sure it does not stop us from serving Christ. Verse 23 said, 
Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. One writer says it is hard for a rich man to become happy because he thinks himself happy without God. A man cannot enter the kingdom while trusting in riches. Riches cannot save you or free you from the sins that arise. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? Let's look at what a rich man or person might be. A rich man is not one who has thousands of dollars or more than his neighbor, but is one who gets more than is necessary to supply all his own wants and those of his household and then keeps the rest to himself while the poor are starving through lack. So if you can receive this, it is not referring to the rich because they have money, but referring to those who have and hoard it from those that have need. In a word, he is a man who gets all he can, saves all he can, and keeps all he's got. This is the man who will have problems entering the kingdom. Remember what is said in Luke about the rich who had much and tore down to save more? God said, thou fool, for this night thou soul is required. Look at verse 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? The apostles heard, Jesus tell the young man to sell all and give to the poor. Peter spoke for the rest uh, and tells Christ they have left all and follow him. Many today feel and think the same thing. I ask you this question. Do you think you have? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that you which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the, in the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Regeneration is understood to mean the day when the elect will begin to live a new life. Mm -hmm. Referring here to the apostles, what is being said to them is, when all things are made new, and the Son of Man is seated in his glory, you have come after me. Here being the apostles, will be seated on 12 seats judging the 12 tribes. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my namesake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Amen. And for us as Christians who forsake the things dearest to our enjoyment in life, he assures us we shall be repaid in this life a hundredfold. Remember what Moses did? He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You may not feel that the work you do is worth much. You may not feel you are getting much. But the retirement plan for Christ is out of this world. But many that are first shall be last. And the last 
shall be first. The Lord judges not as man judges. We judge of man by the outward appearance. But we are sure that the judgment of God is righteous according to truth. With that, my time is up and I thank you for yours.